Today is Palm Sunday. We all know that. Palm Sunday, I think, is a, is a date on the Christian calendar, an event on the Christian calendar that we can relate to probably easier than, than many of the other um, events on the Christian calendar. Uh, it's not every day that we experience somebody rising from the dead. It's not every day we experience a virgin birth or, or have to come to terms with the Trinity or the Ascension, somebody going up to heaven. But Palm Sunday um, is a parade. It's, we've been to parades, the Pride Parade, Fourth of July, uh, 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 St. Patrick's Day, homecoming parades. We know about these. And we've been to political rallies or we've seen political rallies on TV. Certainly in the last 12 months we've seen political rallies. Uh, and, and some of the lines in the Palm Sunday story I, I, I can relate to almost literally. The, the story, uh, the part of the Palm Sunday story where, where the, Jesus sends two of his disciples to, to go to somebody and, and get um, a donkey for Jesus to ride on. I've had that experience. Uh, uh, member of one of the churches I, I served, uh, her brother ran for Congress and he needed, um, he needed, he had use of my red Mustang convertible that he could ride in, in the uh, 4th of July parade in town. Now I know why Jesus wanted the donkey because uh, a person who rode a donkey was a person of peace, unlike the king who, who rode a horse was a person of war. person on a donkey was a person of peace. I don't know what the candidate, uh, what statement the candidate was trying to make by riding in my red Mustang convertible that was cute but had no pickup. Um, he lost. The, um, the crowd on Palm Sunday, you know, cried Hosanna and waved their palm branches. You know, Hosanna, Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? Well, some texts say it means praise. Other texts mean, say it means save us, please. I think it can mean both things. I mean, think of a political rally. People are, you know, are chanting, they don't say Hosanna, but they're chanting and praising their candidate. They're praising Trump. They're praising Warren. They're praising Biden or Sanders. But they're also at the rally because they want to be saved. They want to be saved. They want their, their jobs saved. They, they want um, good health coverage. They want their health saved. They, they want their families saved. Often when we, we, we praise a political candidate, what we're asking for is them to save us from, from unemployment, from bad health, from, uh, from something happening to us. And we'll back the candidate that we think will save us. We have a long list of things we want to be saved from, and I, I think of the the past year, what, 
what we think we want to be saved from and the things that have been in the news, certainly the candidates. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, floods. We want to be saved from bad jobs, bad marriages, bad teachers. There's so much we want to be saved from. And all of that seems to have been blown out of the water by the coronavirus. We want to be saved from the coronavirus. The unemployment that it has caused. The fear that it has caused. The uncertainty. The illness and death that it has caused. Often when we think about what we want to be saved from, that will define who our Savior is. With the coronavirus, it's interesting. We look to salvation, a Savior, in names we never even thought of, really, six weeks ago. DeWine, Cuomo, Burks, Acton, Fauci, Trump. Our list of saviors is defined by what we want to be saved from. On that first Palm Sunday, the crowd that cried Hosanna probably wanted to be saved from the Romans. They might have been wanted, they, they might have wanted to be saved from high taxes, from abuse, from poverty, from hunger. When I think of salvation, I think of the burden we put on our saviors where we expect them to do everything for us. And it's unrealistic. Often we have these expectations of our saviors and they can't be everything to everybody. They can't do everything for everybody. And they disappoint us. And when they disappoint us, we resent them. Expectations are resentments waiting to happen. And we expect our saviors to save us exactly in the way we want to be saved. That was the disappointment people had in Jesus. He didn't save them in the way they wanted to be saved. Jesus doesn't promise the certainty we want from our saviors. He doesn't promise the fix we ask 
from our saviors. Jesus, the Savior, says, believe and have a willingness to be surprised. Believe and be willing to be surprised by healing. Believe and be willing to be surprised by new life. Believe and be willing to be surprised by abundance. To be surprised by community. To be surprised by a new mission. Believe and be willing to be surprised is the salvation that Jesus offers. How Jesus saves, I think, can be talked about in terms of empathy. The epistle lesson from Philippians today talks about Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but took on human form and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. That's about empathy. Jesus understood and felt what it was like to be human. Jesus felt what it was like to be deserted and betrayed and broken and thirsty and hungry. Jesus knew what it was like to be alone and forsaken and abandoned and uncertain. Father, take this cup from me. Jesus had and has empathy with all those things that we experience in our lives. And we know from experience that empathy, when somebody has empathy for us, we experience connection with them. I'm uncertain about the future. You too? We establish a connection. I'm afraid. Me too. We establish a connection. What empathy does is connect us. And in a sense, that connection is what saves us. For we are no longer alone. When I think of Jesus on the cross, that we will observe in five days.
I think of Jesus establishing a connection with us. And in that connection, establishing a connection with God. And connection saves us. For it brings us out of our isolation. This connection that Jesus establishes to save us, I think we can experience in three ways. We experience connection in being heard, in being listened to. One of the most important parts of the Palm Sunday story is that the crowd, the common people, have found their voice. And how important it is to find our voice. In the gospel stories, Jesus is always listening to people. What do you want me to do for you? He gives people their voice. And when we are connected, we are given a voice. We are no longer silent. We are no longer uh, ignored. We're no longer invisible. People's voices are heard in connection. When their voices are heard, they're given credibility. They have a story to tell, and we tend to believe it. And when their stories are told, and the truthfulness of their existence is said, they become people of consequence. They matter. They are significant. In the Bible, Jesus sits and talks at the well with a Samaritan woman. He talks with her. He listens to her. She's no longer invisible. And he takes her ideas seriously. She's credible. And she becomes a person of consequence, for she goes around the town then, telling people about the difference Jesus has made in her life and telling them that Jesus can make a difference in their lives, too. During the corona crisis, people that um, haven't had voices are being heard. How often have we really listened to the voice 
of a grocery worker. How often have we really listened to the voice of a nurse's aide? But their voices are being heard and their voices are being believed and they're becoming people who matter and we realize are very important. It's through these connections in the midst of our isolation in a way that people are being saved. And when we realize we're people of consequence, we're saved. In five days, Jesus will go to the cross. We see crosses. We see the cross here. You know, we can look at things and they're at a distance. They're in front of us. But sometimes we look so much at something that it's no longer in front of us, it becomes part of us. It's no longer what we see, it enters us and it becomes how we see. Jesus began on Palm Sunday and followed the road that led to Good Friday, to the cross. And we can look at the cross in front of us all the time. But if we look long enough at Jesus on the cross, it can enter us and become how we see. We can see through the eyes of Jesus and through the eyes of his empathy. We can look at accounting long enough that we begin to see through the eyes of accounting. It's how we see the world. When our kids were in school and they always asked me to help them with an essay or a book report, I'd always see things through the eyes of my profession. And every character in every book the kids ever wrote about, I would say, this person's a Christ figure, that person's a Christ figure. Because that's how I began to see things. We see Christ in front of us, and then Christ enters us, and it's how we see. We see with that empathy. We see with that sense of connection. We listen and we believe. And people matter. As Jesus goes by on Palm Sunday, we get off the side of the road where we're observing him and we get in and follow him on the road. We believe, and we're willing to be surprised. We're following, 
takes us. It takes us to empathy. And it takes us to connection. Believe. And be willing to be surprised at the new life Christ offers as we follow. May it be so. Amen.